Mac Power Users, episode 317, Mike Hurley, collector of iPads. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, along with my pal, Katie Floyd. How are you doing today, Katie? I thought you were kidding when you said that was going to be the title. No, that's that's the title, man. Uh, I'm that doing all right. I can, I can just tell it's going to be one of those types of shows. It's going to oh, be two I, against I one guarantee all show long. Katie, your blood pressure is going to go up today. I, I can just feel it. <laughs> Angry Katie is coming back. <laughs> but um, uh, so we've got the uh, founder of the feast here, uh, Mike Hurley. Welcome back to the Mac Power Users. Good to see you, Mike. Uh, Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, for those who don't know Mike, uh, Mike is one of the founders of the Relay FM network, uh, the network upon which Mac Power Users is. And uh, Mike's just a great guy, a nerd. Uh, he was a prior uh, guest on show episode MPU 222. And that was when he had just quit his job and he was just getting Relay off the ground. And um, and he had this idea that he would become a professional podcaster and make podcasts. Professional podcasters. Is what he was going to become. Yeah, there you go. And and what Mike found out was that when you start your own business, there is like a whole lot of other stuff than sitting down recording podcasts. So we've got a a bunch of great content for for Mike about uh, as a small business owner and the kind of stuff he's doing. But uh, he's also really a big convert to the iPad Pro, and we've got tons of stuff to talk about there. See all show long. Here we go. Mm-hmm. All right. But but before we get there, I just wanted to tell the audience, thank you. Uh, we I announced the app camp for girls for Orange County last uh, last week. I've already had several listeners write in with help and even a few campers uh, from some listeners. And that's really awesome. G. McDonald spent a few days at my house recently and we were getting the camp going. And it's just very exciting to see this thing getting off the ground. If you've got any uh, girls in your life heading into eighth or ninth grade next year and you're near Orange County and you want them to learn how to make their own app, go to App Camp for Girls Orange County and check it out. Also, you know, I'm sure Orange County is a beautiful place. Oh, yeah. There's other places, bring, too. Yes. Just do a fa- no, like you do a family lo- family vacation. Yes. They you have know, some so kind of little be in Orange County. wimpy Disney World type place there, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, actually, they have the superior Disneyland experience there. In fact, I, I'm, oh, I have this vision that there's going to be some nerds that are going to send their daughters there, and then I'm going to take the nerds, and we're all going to go, you know, get day passes to Disneyland and sit there and nerd out somewhere in Disneyland. I don't know you, if it's going to actually you guys have happen. An Epcot? Oh or, no, we've got something or, much better. Or an Animal Kingdom. We've got we've got the place that Walt actually walked in. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Drop the mic. Um, also, you can see the Star Wars construction, which I would be happy to show people if they they come out here in fact that's something we've been talking about mike you and steven we're going to have a a relay con of three at my house right yeah i'm very keen on this idea because i've never been to either disneyland or disney world well i think that you know when wwdc is over it ends on a friday just come down here for a couple days man (laughs) hang out with uh, sparky and mickey yeah you can see my backyard stormtrooper (laughs) (laughs) That's not as dirty as it sounds. <laughs> anyway. It's um, that kind of show, folks. Okay, so we're here to talk uh, about a lot of stuff today. Um, but, but the the one thing that is really amazing uh, to me is the way this darn iPad Pro has snuck up on me. Uh, I, I did a post recently how I opened up my laptop and there was a letter on it that I had started writing five weeks ago. And I, apparently I haven't 
opened the laptop since then. <laughs> and, and Time you know, to sell it. The, the, well, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yet because there's still some things and we'll talk about that. But the the real interesting thing to me is for years, it's always been this experiment where bloggers and podcasters say, OK, I'm going to put the Mac away and see where it breaks and what doesn't work. And and I didn't do that intentionally. I just started using the iPad when I'm mobile. And don't get me wrong. I'm using the iMac hours a day because I I need it. But the um, but for the mobile stuff, the, the pro has really replaced it. And Mike, you are kind of like me, I think, in that way. So let me give my kind of background with the iPad. Um, I bought the first one uh, when it came out. You know, I was super excited about it, and I used it for a long time. Um, I was using a MacBook Air at the time, and I remember when I was recording podcasts way back in 2010, I would uh, have all of my show notes on the iPad and my MacBook Air in the corner recording, right? Because I didn't want to touch that machine in case I accidentally flipped a switch. I didn't want to flip... But then over the years... Yeah, it always kind of, listening to you, it always kind of bugged me, this like kryptonite kind of mentality you had towards your Macs. (laughs) Yeah, I'm way better about it now. I now use one machine because for a long time I used two Macs, one for show notes and one for recording. I'm less scared of myself now uh, than than I used to be. And over time, kind of my interest in the iPad... It's kind of gone in ebbs and flows, but most of the time it's been kind of disinterest. I didn't really have anything to do with the device. I am not, a, I'm not, I don't really read a lot of books or anything like that. I listen to audiobooks, listen to lots of podcasts. So my phone was always the thing that would do that for me. Um, and then outside of that, I would always pick up my Mac. I would watch videos on my Mac and stuff like that. The screen was always bigger. It was, you know, it was great. And then uh, I was in. San Francisco for WWDC last year. And they, when they unfound, uh, unveiled iOS 9, um, I was interested in a lot of the uh, kind of specific features that were for the iPad. And I figured... Like considering multitasking iOS, and all those, yeah. those types of things, yeah. Yeah, multitasking was the big one. Um, and there would, you know, when they were showing it on stage, it looked like the only, and it was at that time, only the iPad was going to have like the uh, two finger cursor thing because obviously 3D Touch hadn't been announced at that point. Um, and there were a bunch of things that it just seemed like really Apple was, was seriously focusing on the iPad for iOS 9. And that was where the majority of the big development was going. So I was interested in it. And I thought, really, if I want to be able to talk about what's in iOS 9 in September, I need to have an iPad that can can run all the business, right? And I I didn't I had like a iPad Mini two I think then that was the the only iPad that I had. So I went into the Apple Store whilst I was in the states because I would benefit from the from the currency conversion. I picked up an iPad Air two. Yeah, I played with it a little bit, um, and then when uh, iOS nine came out, I was starting to use it more and more. I was really intrigued by the multitasking. And it basically just became then a, a kind of a lounge device is what I what I thought it was. And then over time, I started doing lots more like I would do things with Slack and Twitter and like Twitter, or like Tweetbot on the side. And then I was starting to, to realize that I could be in like multiple web browsers at once if I had Safari and Chrome. And it was becoming more of an interesting device to me. So when the iPad Pro was announced... Um, I had uh, a lovely Italian in my ear all the time telling me how great this device was. So when it came out, I decided to go ahead and buy one. Now, I I actually remember you talking on some of your shows pre-release of the iPad Pro. And this is like 
mm-hmm. you know, saying, I don't think I'm going to like it, but I have to get one because this is my job. And thinking that like really nobody would really want an iPad Pro. That, that I really thought that was going to be the case. Like, yeah. I thought it was going to be just a huge device that nobody needed. And it was kind of like a weird thing. But yeah, definitely. I, at the time, thought, I don't think a lot of people are going to own these. A lot of people that I recorded with seemed like they had no interest in it at all. And I know this is kind of a, it, it is an excuse that I use, excuse that many people use, but I genuinely feel that it's, when people listen to our shows, they're looking to find out what these devices are like. And and I do feel that we have an obligation for at least someone on the host panel to have a relatively good amount of experience with a device. Because I know that if I listen to like a really popular, when I used to listen before I was a podcast to like the really popular tech shows, if people were like, yeah, I don't know what that iPad's like because I just haven't bought one. It kind of makes them seem like they're out of the loop a little bit. Sure. Okay, now can so, I just put that on like a recording and then every time Katie gives play that me that me. judgmental silence, <laughs> I can yeah, just Yeah, but you don't it do on. it for that reason. You do it because you want it. No, of course I do it for the audience. It's all for the audience. Always. I mean, but look, I have that, but I, there's also I want it, right? Because right. I could yeah. just leave it to somebody else to buy it. Sure. But, but like I felt like Jason didn't seem like he was really interested in it and uh, Federico obviously was going to get it but like you know i wanted to 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 have it in my life so i would i knew i would be the person to buy it no matter what so i could try it out so i went ahead and bought it and i mean i just for like the first few weeks all i had was the ipad i I didn't have the keyboard cover i didn't have the pencil i think for the first week and a half i didn't even have a smart cover on it so all i had was just the ipad and pretty much immediately i was blown away with the size of the screen the color the pick the sound quality from the speakers and the multitasking you know if you haven't used one of the the big ipad pros the multitasking is so amazing it's like having two ipads side by side well i think it's like having two ipad minis really it feels exactly yeah yeah and and it's it's because of the resolution of the screen not just the size right so not only is it bigger but it's as a higher pixel density which is why you can have way more on a screen so that's kind of where I am now, and I fell in love with the iPad Pro, and then that kind of changed me significantly, which we'll get to in a little bit. I think. But, you know, it is interesting. Uh, I think there's a lot of people out there, and I've, I'm hearing from listeners that are having the same experience. Um, there's a lot of us that are looking at these iPads not to prove a point, but, um, I mean, part of it is because we host shows on it. Part of it is because we're nerds and we want to see the latest and greatest. I mean, for me, I know part of the excitement of all this stuff for me is kind of learning new technologies and seeing how they fit and what works and what doesn't work. I mean, it's it's a total time suck for me. It's a productivity killer, but I've managed to turn it into a side business, you know. But, the, uh, <laughs> but it's a... Um, but there's a lot of listeners that are having the same experience. They got one just to kind of see, and they're finding the damn thing is growing on them. And, uh, and I, I have a similar experience with the pro and I, I think the big one really does make a difference. Now, when you got it, you didn't have a keyboard, so you had to type on the glass. Um, how, have you continued to do that or are you, I know you have a keyboard cover as well. Yeah. I, I use the keyboard cover mainly if I'm writing anything more than a couple of words. Um, I don't get on very well with the smart with with the uh, on-screen keyboard of the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Um, it's very good, and I and I like it a lot because it has the numbers and everything right there. 
but I seem to mistype quite frequently. And, and I think part of that is the, the, the bad layouts for uh, international users. There yeah. is one layout screen, uh, like key cap size for everyone. Um, and, and it's coming to bite me a little bit because I'm, because it's a full sized uh, keyboard. I'm used to typing on it. How I do my regular keyboard, but the enter and the backspace key, um, or the return and the backspace key, they're all wrong uh, with how I'm used to using them. We have a completely different keyboard layout in the UK. Um, and whilst all the glyphs are correct, uh, the key sizes are completely wrong. And, and I think that that's leading for me to, to type not so great on it, in all honesty. And I do really well with the physical ones because I can I kind of adjust to those because I can feel them, right? Uh, but for some reason, I seem to misfire on, on the on-screen keyboard quite a lot. I don't have that problem on the uh, on the smaller iPads. Um, I think the keys are closer together and and there's less kind of surface area to cover. Yeah, but it is an, the on-screen keyboard is amazing. Uh, I just don't think it fits me as well. I I think really for the big one, one of the just the it's just the screen size makes such a huge difference. And I know there's differences between the two iPad Pros. We've talked about this somewhat in past shows. But to me, so much of it comes down to screen size. And with the larger screen, there's more you can do. And frankly, it, it is easier to type on the glass. Now, Katie, you did not like the big one. No, and I'll tell you, I uh, candidly, I did not like it immediately. I, I had questions about it, but it was like from the moment that I opened the box, it was just off-putting. And I kept thinking that it's going to get better because everybody told me it will get better. You just have to give it time. Just give it time. Just give it time. And I only could give it 14 days because that was the return policy. And I wasn't willing to keep this, you know, almost thousand dollar investment, you know, just to have something to be able to talk about it if I wasn't going to use it. And I just found that I wasn't using it. I had it for a couple of specific use cases that I wanted. Um, and it, it just didn't fit well in my life. It was it was too big. It wasn't good for lounging around on the couch. It wasn't good for um, using in bed, which is something that I do quite a bit. You know, first thing in the morning, going through my RSS feeds or or reading when, before I go to bed at night and things like that. And, you know, we'll talk about multiple devices later, but I just wasn't willing to have multiple devices. I wasn't willing to keep my mini and have uh, a second iPad. And maybe that was too limiting on myself um, because I already had uh, a MacBook Air. And I just found that for the iPad Pro to be the size of the MacBook Air, practically, by the time that I added an external keyboard to it, there was almost no situation under which I wouldn't rather take my MacBook Air. Okay, so Mike, when did you realize that this thing was really sinking in with you? It kind of happened slowly. Um, and it was just like over a couple of weeks of starting to use it, it really embedded and it wasn't for me until I had the whole package that I knew it was what I was looking for. So, you know, the, the keyboard and the, uh, the Apple pencil. And I loved the whole thing. You know, I loved being able to write with the pencil, but I also use the pencil quite a lot for navigating the UI of the iPad. Um, I use a Wacom tablet for my iMac. So I, and this was, I started using this because of having some RSI issues um, and I got used to using that kind of input and it b began to feel way more comfortable for me to use the Apple Pencil on the iPad than than tapping it with my finger. It was a way I was getting used to inputting with my devices. 
And then, uh, well, that, let was, me just stop you right there. That's interesting. So, you doing? Do you use your finger at all with the? Uh, I, I do. I I kind of go backwards and forwards uh, between them, and this is uh, just because I'm finding for me switching up the way that I interact with devices is helping the health of my hands. So, for example, on my Mac, I actually operate my Mac two-handed. I have a trackpad on my right hand, um, and my left hand has a Wacom tablet. And I switch between the two for different tasks. And when I edit in Logic, I actually edit with two hands. I'll talk about that in a little while. That's one of my special skills. Uh, but I, so I switch between using my finger and using uh, the Apple Pencil for navigation, depending on kind of what I'm doing at the time. And if I'm going to be sitting and I know I'm going to work on it for a while, more often than not, I will pick up the Apple Pencil because it's more comfortable for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they expected that, but it, it makes sense. And well, I'm I don't sure think they did because alone. there was that whole fiasco where they took it away in one of the betas, and then after you know, kind of an uproar, they put it back. The navigation Actually, after, option after Mike after Mike complained about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, my understanding of the way that whole thing went down was um, it, it seemed like there were people inside Apple that just didn't want it from the first instance. And I don't think that they expected people would even try to really do it the way that we did. Uh, and then I think there were some people that didn't like it, tried to change it, but then realized the error of their ways. So, so what was the thing that you did on the iPad where you first said, Oh yeah, this is actually pretty good. You know, this is something where I can get my work done on it. So there was a day where, um, I was going to, my co-working space for the day um and at this time i was kind of like i was thinking oh will this be a good device or not and i would be taking if i left the house i would take the ipad and the laptop because i was scared uh and this day i just forgot to put my laptop in my bag and it wasn't until i got to my co-working space that i realized this and and i didn't want to spend the hour traveling back home because i was in central london that day so i sat for eight hours and worked on the iPad. And this was a day of that was intended to be for intense work, lots of spreadsheet work, lots of invoicing stuff, real kind of heavy business things, um, including, you know, one of the tasks that I had that day was to book the next three months of sponsors into our system because it was the start of the year. So mm -hmm. I had to like set up all of our shows, put everything in. It was going to take a long time to do it. And I came to the end of that day and realized I'd really enjoyed myself. And that was when it changed. Yeah, there's a certain yeah. amount of delight. Yeah, I noticed yeah. the words that you used there. You said you enjoyed yourself. Now, you didn't necessarily mm -hmm. say that the iPad was faster at it or better at it. And, and maybe it was, I don't know. But you said that you enjoyed yourself. I thought that was an interesting choice of words there. Yeah, this is something that I know really annoys uh, people who are inclined to work in in specific ways especially people who have used uh max or pcs for a long time and i and i say this phrase knowing that it annoys them uh i wasn't being annoyed i, I was just pointing it out no no no. what what i'm about to say is that is uh i don't actually care if it's faster or slower or less effective um i just enjoy using the ipad more like you could tell me what you're doing is taking you 10 minutes longer because you're using the iPad. And I would say that it didn't bother me uh, because I enjoy using this device in a way that I don't enjoy using OS X. Um, I don't get, when I use OS X, I don't get that feeling of enjoyment um, that I do from using iOS and especially from using 
the iPad Pro. And and I know that f- there are a lot of people that can't can't understand that. And I get that because it's just it's just like a different strokes type of thing. Uh, but that's just the way that that I'm built. Is I just prefer to in- enjoy it rather than be the most efficient that I can be. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, it, I, to me, I, I am definitely interested in being more productive and getting things done. But uh, there are certain things on the iPad that are faster and certain things that are slower and some things that make me crazy about it. But I still find it overall is in the ballpark for me. And and frankly, one of the joys I get out of this thing is saying, well, I'm slow at this. Maybe it's because not of the device, but because I don't have the skill set necessary to make it go faster. And then what do I need to do? Is there an app I need for that? I mean, just this week I was trying to annotate a document and I found a, an alternate keyboard where I can write with the pencil across the bottom of the screen in any app and my handwriting turns into text. And it's like, wow, all of a sudden this got faster than doing it on my Mac, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just because I found the right app. And, um, and that's for me part of the fun, but this show is called Mike Hurley collector of iPads. And I want to talk about that right after this sponsor read. So I am thrilled to welcome back as a sponsor to Mac Power users, uh, the great folks over at MacPaw. They are the developers of Clean My Mac 3. Now, this is the time of year when people start to think a little bit about spring cleaning. And if you're doing that, you want to make sure that your Mac is on your spring cleaning checklist as well. You know, there's a lot of things out there that can clutter your Mac and slow your Mac down. If you uninstall an app, chances are you've got some leftovers. There are log files there. There's all these caches from apps that you just start slowing things down. Uh, There's also a lot of cruft that can build up. Maybe it's old files that you haven't thought about in a long time. Uh, Maybe it's mail downloads that you really don't need on your computer anymore. Uh, Maybe it's just time to run some general maintenance on your Mac. Maybe there's some apps on your Mac that you want to completely uninstall, but you've forgotten that they were there. Well, there's a great utility that I use probably every month or so and usually more often when I want to make sure that my Mac is running in tip-top shape. And that is Clean My Mac 3 from MacPaw. Uh, It is an ease to go ahead and brush away all of that cruft and get precious disk space back. I've only got a 256 gigabyte SSD in this MacBook Air, and it doesn't take a lot for things to start getting tight. And whenever that happens, I launch up Clean My Mac and make sure that I reclaim some of that disk space back. Clean My Mac also will help accelerate and speed up your Mac because it's going to free up RAM. It's just going to help get rid of that corrupt and it's going to help your Mac run a lot smoother. If you want to learn more about the app, how they do things, how they remove files from your system, the approach that they take, uh, you can learn more information by going to macpaw.com. But wait, there's more. Uh, They've got a special offer for Mac Power users listeners. Uh, You can actually get 30% off of Clean My Mac. And if you want to take advantage of that special, you can head over to macpaw.com slash MPU. Again, that's macpaw.com slash MPU. You can learn a bit more about how Clean My Mac works, learn a little bit more about the features, clean your Mac up, uh, run some maintenance tools. You can do it all in one place. It really is an all-purpose utility. I've been using it for years. I've been very happy with it, uh, and I hope that you will be too. So thanks again to uh, MacPaw and Clean My Mac for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. So, Mike, you have uh, become a collector of of iPads. How, how many do you have now? I have two. I have two iPad Pros. Well, I, ha- I also have an iPad Air 2 that I don't use. And what about that sh- Mini? Th- that Mini's gone now? 
uh, that is now in the hands of my lovely girlfriend. She uh, uh, she uses the iPad Mini now, and she actually really likes it. All right, well, um, we'll, that, we'll give you we'll give you credit uses. for that one being gone. <laughs> yeah, that one's out. The I mean, I guess if we want to be technical, you might still have own title to it, but uh, we'll give you credit for that one being gone. The so iPad Air 2 is waiting us to move. <laughs> and then when we move, we're going to put it in our kitchen. Like, we're going to mount it in the kitchen or something. Yeah. So sure. three, three iPads. Three iPads, two in daily use. I, I think the scandalous thing you've done, Mike, is that you've bought a second iPad Pro. You have the yeah. big one and the little one. Yeah, that's... that's And also, I have a keyboard cover for both of them. And uh, I am going to be buying a second pencil as well. I am going... <laughs> I'm going all in. And I, so I call this, it the full Hurley. Full, if, 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 full Hurley. If, if you could see me, uh, this is why we don't have a video podcast. It just I'm, I'm, I'm holding my head in my hand here. <laughs> why? All why? Right. So. Wait, wait, wait. Before you tell her why, Katie, there's something I need to tell you. <laughs> I know you have multiple iPads, too. No, there's something else I need to tell you, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also own two iPad Pros. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, uh, me and David were on the phone and we were talking and he'd heard me on Cortex talking about the fact that I just bought uh, the, the, the 9.7 inch iPad Pro. And we were just talking a little bit. And uh, then about an hour or two later, he calls me up. He says some expletives at me and says, I just bought an iPad <laughs> uh, Okay, well, let me, let, me, let me then ask you both. This, so okay. this question is directed to both of you now, since clearly we have to have a therapy session. And uh, <laughs> why do you both have multiple iPad Pros? Do you just enjoy flinging money out the window? And, think, and for, I, for I, our I listeners, we, we, talked, we talked before the show, and I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate here. I am told the guys I was going to give them a hard time. But just to be clear, I didn't. Know, I never told Kitty I had two iPad Pros until we got on air. <laughs> mm-hmm. So for me, um, I I recorded a show called Cortex with UGB Gray, and Gray has owned multiple iPads for multiple purposes for a long time. Okay, and so if Gray jumped off a cliff, <laughs> it depends. It depends how efficient he did it. In. Uh, and he was talking, and we were talking about this stuff, and I was starting to think to myself about my computer usage. And my historic computer usage has been two Macs. I had my iMac um, or, or my Mac Mini um, or like a, some desktop Mac or some description. I had a Mac Pro for a while that I sold and a laptop. So I've, I've typically had two Macs. I've had like a production Mac and my daily Mac or traveling Mac that I would use. I started to think about why I did this, and it was I had these different machines for different uses. Um, and when I sat down at a specific machine, I was in a different mode. So, like when I sit down in front of my iMac, I'm in recording mode. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. Uh, and then I would have my travel device to use in other places around the house in different areas, that kind of thing. And I started to think about where my computing was being done, and outside of recording. In editing podcasts, all of my work is being done on the 12.9-inch iPad Pro. So I started to think about this a little bit more. And and before you Um, go any further, just give people a little bit of an idea, because we have this vision of you that all you do 12 hours a day is record and edit podcasts because you're on so darn many. I mean, break down what percentage of your time would you say you spend recording and editing podcasts versus other things that you do for your business? 
I would say like uh, 70 30 or, you know, I don't know. If it's not 50 50, it would be 60 40 um, in the camp of with with 60% being everything else. Okay. Uh, I've been able to kind of streamline my production um, over the last year or so where I feel like I have to spend less time actually in the production uh, cycle. Um, And also because I, I'm working pretty much for as long as I'm awake. So, you know, in some manner. So it it kind of bounces around that way. And when you start a business, suddenly you find all these other things you need to do that you don't think you needed. You you never considered. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, like, so we'll get into the, I guess, I guess we're going to get into the types of things I do with this device. So I won't mention it just yet, but I basically came to the realization that I was using, I was using an iMac to do everything, you know, like I was using the Mac, the iPad Pro, like it was an iMac to do everything. Like I was, it felt like I was reading Twitter in bed on an iMac. Like it was, you know, it didn't work out for me that way. I was yeah, using I get just that, this one device one the, to do everything. That was one of the reasons I didn't like it. Yeah, it was, and and I could get by with it, right? Because it was the device that I preferred to use, but I realized it just wasn't the best device for everything. So the more I started to think about it, I decided I wanted to try the 9.7-inch iPad Pro as well um, as a way for me to basically replace the Mac and, like, the desktop Mac and laptop Mac that I would use on a daily basis. And what I have found is it it works really nicely. So obviously I'm still using my iMac for now, like I'm still using it, but for everything else that I'm doing, I'm finding a nice break. So the iPad Pro, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro... That is the device that I, when I wake up, I read stories, I, I start doing some research, uh, I check Twitter um, and, you know, do some small tasks like Slack and things like that. And then once I'm up and I've had my coffee and I'm ready to do the serious work of the day, like when it's starting to time to work on spreadsheets, when it's time to send out invoices, when it's time to start cranking through email, that's when I'm picking up the Big Daddy and I've got the 12.9 inch iPad and I'm cranking through a lot of heavy work because multitasking on the 9.7 really isn't anywhere near as good. And you kind of get two not good sized apps on the iPad where on the 12.9 inch, it's just glorious to me. You know, now, I, for, you know, at some point I, I would like to throw in and, and now it's probably not the right time, but I've actually really enjoyed multitasking on the 9.7 inch. Now I'm coming from the perspective of an iPad mini owner. And granted, we've said that the iPad Pro is way, way too big for me. There's no way mm-hmm. that I'm going to be an iPad Pro user. But I found the 9.7 to be a nice compromise after using yep. it for a couple of weeks now. So I don't want people to walk away from this podcast thinking that if you want to multitask, the only way you can do it is on the iPad Pro. Because I, I don't think that that's true at all. No, or, or I, the, I the twelve the twelve point nine inch iPad Pro. They're both iPad Pros. I agree. The nine point seven does a great job, um, but it's when you when you use the twelve point nine, you you realize that that is more than right. So I I do use the nine point seven inch um, iPad in multitasking mode, and I can use it just fine. But it's like how you can use an eleven inch MacBook Air, and it will do everything you need it to do. But when you go to a five K Retina iMac. Like it's a whole other ball game, right? It's that kind of thinking. 
Yeah, I, I, all right, Sparky, I, what's your excuse? Well, I, you know, I, I have a hard, harder time justifying it. it. You know, I know the analogy would be, well, you get an iMac and a laptop. To me, it's more like getting a 15 inch MacBook and a 13 inch MacBook. I mean, they're very similar in a lot of ways. But the, um, uh, to me, it, it really is kind of the way the iPad took over for me. And we're going to cover this going forward in the show. I've got tons of new workflows and we'll be talking about it. But the, um, uh, I use the, the dang thing all the time. I mean, one of my uh, my workflows of my life since I've been able to to change 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 things up is I, I stay in bed every morning for about an hour. I mean, when I, I wake up about six thirty, the first thing I do is I get my iPad and I go through all the email and the OmniFocus for the day. It takes about an hour. And it's actually a really nice time of day to kind of do that stuff. And after you've done kind of your audit of your email and your OmniFocus, then you can get up and work out and shower and get to work. And you you know what you're going to be doing for the rest of the day. And it's it's really nice. But the, the big iPad Pro in bed is really not not the thing. And there's, there's several times a day that I'm because I'm using it so much that the big screen is inconvenient where the um smaller one wouldn't now i'm not sure if that's a good enough reason to buy a second one uh i had an ipad air one the very first ipad air because so we've got this kind of collection of them around the house i've been you know kind of meaning to send them all in and so i so i started using that in bed in the morning but i really really missed the pencil because um and we're going to talk about mike because you know mike is using different ipads to do different tasks in a lot of ways for me they're both loaded up with all my apps so if somebody sends me a contract i need to sign it i want to use a pencil and uh so i started looking and you know how all these things go i, I listened to mike on the radio t- talking about his multiple ipads and i started thinking about it and then i looked on gazelle to see what i could get if i sold because we had a couple extra ipads around the house if i sold those and uh, I still had to pay some money, but it wasn't terrible. And uh, that's really not very good justification, but I did get it. And uh, like everybody else, I said, well, I'll get it with the idea of that if I really don't like it, I'll take it back. But kind of in my heart, I knew I was going to get it. And to tell you the truth, I don't really get hung up on it too much. I feel like, you know, in my life, I don't spend a lot of money on cars and, you know, model airplanes or whatever it is that everybody buys. But if I buy some extra Apple stuff, I don't really give myself too much grief. And uh, well, it's like so this got, is your hobby. It's probably a lot less expensive than golf. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, so I have two, and uh, I'm really happy with it. And and we'll talk about it more in the future of the show. I don't want to make this show all about me. We we got Mike here for one day, but the um, but uh, I really it's been a very easy transition for me. the The interesting thing for me is. Uh, although I have both, I found I use the little one around the house a lot more. And I, when I go out to meetings and stuff, I'm more inclined to bring the big one, which is what I didn't think would happen. But uh, it's it's an evolving situation. But the, the and another question for me is, what do I do with my MacBook? Do I sell it? And I haven't got to the point where I'm willing to do that yet because there's certain limitations. But that's very likely that 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 will happen, that I will end up selling it. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of take a... We were talking about it before the show, and I think the listeners probably who have listened to the show throughout the history have kind of – I tend to be much more frugal about these things, and it's certainly not my place to impose my frugality on on others or or my views on things. But, you know, I just feel tremendous, I guess, personal guilt, for for lack of a better word, um, uh, on the idea of of having – multiple devices. I mean, it's, you know, does anybody really need an iPad? You know, I don't know. Probably, probably not. Um, 
but you know having a, a Mac and an iPhone and an iPad is a luxury. And then even having a, this other Mac mini that I've got in the closet as a, as a home server is, is certainly nice too. But the idea for, for me personally, I just can't reconcile the idea of, um, of having a second iPad. Uh, it's just, there, there's something about it that I just, I can't get over it, but I have found that the 9.7 was a good compromise for me and whether people either just can't get over it or can't justify spending the money or, or don't have the money to spend. I still think the 9.7 is a great device uh, for people who are looking for that in the middle. You know, that's one of the reasons why I have a MacBook Air, but I keep it attached to a retina display or not a retina display, a a 24 inch cinema display. Uh, my next display will be a big retina display. And I've run that same basic setup for years because you know, is is that the ideal setup for every situation? Probably not. I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to have a 27-inch 5K iMac at my desk and a, a MacBook Pro in my bag. But this is the setup that, you know, gives me the best of both worlds all of the time. I've got something that's thin and light and portable, and I basically have a desktop when I'm using it at my desk. And so I've kind of taken the same, uh, you know, approach with an iPad of, you know, what what is kind of that that happy medium? But it sounds like, you know, you guys have taken the approach of you work best having the best tool for the best job. Uh, and that's having different different size devices and having different size Macs that will do that for you. So, so Mike, yeah, and, and it, that's all true. And, and one of the other detriments of the multiple device uh, thing we're talking about here that Katie doesn't have is. You've got two. You've got two iPads. So how do you figure out what goes on which and keep them in sync and know when to use which device? So the idea of knowing when to is kind of what I'm feeling like at the time. Like I spent quite a lot of today working on the nine point seven just because it was the one that felt right for the type of work that I was doing today. I was moving around a bunch. Um, I was in and out of the house and stuff. So. I was taking that around. That's the only one of my iPads that has LTE, which was also, you know, it was why I just came back from a trip and that was the one that I took. Um, I took that one with me because I could connect it to, you know, I could connect to it and wherever I needed to be. And, and it was useful for that. Um, in regards to the apps, I am not setting them up as like different devices um, in that regard. Oh, I'm I thought trying you to were. Yeah. No, I'm trying to keep them similar. Um and and that's just because I thought about trying to to tailor them. Like I set them up as I set the new iPad up as new, um, and I thought about maybe trying to tailor it. But what I found myself all the time was like, oh, I need that one app, and then I have to go download an app. So now I'm trying to keep them pretty much in sync. If there's an application that I like, I put it on both of them. I'm thinking about whether automatic downloading of applications might be a good thing. I've never done this before. Um, I've always, you know, kind of just felt like if I download an app on my iPhone, I don't always want it on my iPad, but I'm thinking about seeing if I can just run that between the two devices. Um, and that might be quite good. Uh, but I'm trying to, to, I'm still trying to work through it and and I'm going to see as, as I'm still kind of working out exactly what tasks belongs to which device, I might start paring it down from there. Um, but really right now it's kind of just like, what mode do I feel like I'm in right now? And if I feel like I'm kind of just like doing some light work, then the 9.7 feels like the right option. But if I feel like I've really got to start cranking on something, that's when the, the, the big iPad uh, comes into play. 
Yeah, I, I think if you're going to buy two and just give yourself permission to do that, I don't think you need to get too hung up on, you know, what's right for one versus the other. Um, I, I know listening to you and Gray, that Gray's um, is, is very strict, that he only does certain kinds of work on certain devices and that, that helps him out. But like you, I want to be able to do anything anywhere. So, yeah. so I'm kind of just downloading. And, you know, Mike, you should just turn on automatic download. Don't, don't think about it anymore. Just turn it on. Give it a week. See what happens. You can always turn it off. Yeah, I think I'm going to give that a go. Yeah. And then in terms of keeping content in sync, is, is everything that you do now pretty much in the cloud or in cloud services? I feel like it must be because this isn't an issue that I'm feeling like I'm having. Um, Dropbox is my file system. It has been for a long time. Everything goes in there. Um, and then between apps that have their own backend system and iCloud, it feels like these days that I, I'm not doing, I just feel like I'm not doing any document management. I mean, and that's kind of the beauty of the iPad though, right? Like you don't do any because you can't. So all apps find a way to talk to the cloud, you know, within where they need to, you know, like an application that deals with documents will talk to a cloud service and it's most likely one of the ones I'm using. And that's one of the big differences between iOS and, and the Mac in that regard. Uh, so well, well, I'm not sure that's fair. I mean, it, it's a big difference between 2007 and 2016 because on the Mac, you can really have everything everywhere as well at this point. Well, sure. I mean, but I just think like with everything that's coming out, the, the iPad I think developers think of it differently because they kind of have to like the document management is not a thing that really happens on the iPad, but yeah, I don't, know. Yeah, I, I don't feel like I don't, anyway, I don't feel like I'm having this concern at all. Um, in regards to documents, everything is where I need it to be. Well, I want to talk to you about the stuff that, uh, first of all, the apps that you're loving and that are making life better now on this new iPad, and as well as the stuff that you kind of wish you still had your Mac for uh, right after this break. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Fracture. Fracture is the way to get those great pictures off of your computer and onto your walls. If you're listening to this show, you're likely a nerd or you have nerd tendencies, and that means you've got a great camera like an iPhone taking beautiful pictures. You've got all of those piled up on your Mac or your iPad and you want to get them on the walls and you don't know how. It's difficult. You get the picture printed and you got to figure out what kind of frame you're going to put on it, if you're going to mat it. I mean, there's just all these decisions to be made and that's why they stay on your computer. But with Fracture, you can solve that problem. All you have to do is go to FractureMe.com and upload your image and then they will print it directly to glass. It's the picture frame and the mount all in one. They send it to you and it's ready to hang on the wall. They even give you the little nail to push into the wall so you can hang the image. This has been a total game changer in the Sparks family because we had all these pictures and we just didn't know what to do with them. And once we started using Fracture, we kind of went nuts. They look gorgeous and we're getting several of them so we can rotate them during different periods of the year. I'm even sending some images out that are not of family photos, but just art that I really like. For instance, I made a nice image from the latest Star Wars movie, and of course, I'm going to get it turned into a fracture and hang it on my wall. Fracture is located in Gainesville, Florida, and they are passionate about making your images look perfect. 
The fracture process makes the color and contrast of your photos really pop, and the sleek frameless design lets your photos stand out while matching any decorating style. Now, if you haven't tried Fracture yet, I want you to check it out. Go over to FractureMe.com and just take a look at some of the images that they've made. And then I want you to do something crazy and upload an image. Go ahead and get one printed. You can do even really small sizes at Fracture, and they have a 60-day happiness guarantee, so you're going to be sure to love your order. Once you experience having your images printed at FractureMe.com, it'll change the way you get your pictures printed forever. So head over to FractureMe.com and be sure to mention that you heard about them from the Mac Pow users in their one-question survey at checkout. It helps support the show. Thank you, Fracture, for supporting the Mac Power users. So, Mike, let's talk about some of the the apps that you're using on the iPad to get all of this stuff done. I mean, it's uh, as in and David, I you know, feel free to to chime in some here as as well because you know a lot of these apps are cross platform. Obviously, you can do mail and and web browsing, and we've talked about how the Office Suite is is very good on iOS now. Uh, sometimes even better than it is on the on the Mac, but um, are, are there things that are missing or what are you using day to day? Stuff that's missing is everything that's m- meaning that I still use my Mac um, every day, uh, pretty much. And that's just all of the professional tools for recording and editing podcasts. We are still, I believe, a long way away from the day where I would stop using a Mac to do that stuff. But that's really kind of, for me, the only thing that is missing. There are no holes in uh, my computing life other than those ones. Like, I don't feel like I have to use my Mac for anything else. There, are, you know, Your mileage may vary depending on the types of things that you like to do or the types of things you need to do. But for me, these days, I'm only forced to sit down in front of this Mac in front of me when I'm doing exactly what I'm doing right now, which is talking to people on Skype, recording, and then firing up uh, editing programs and getting that stuff done. And there are ways in which you can do it, but you have to use multiple devices, multiple sets of headphones. It's currently it's just not really acceptable in the in iOS to it's really, really do podcasting. Yeah, it's it's it is a hack. It's a, and there are people that do it. There are people that do it well. We did it on upgrade like a couple of weeks ago because Jason needed to. Um, but it's an inelegant solution, uh, yeah, and it's not something that I'm willing to do when this is how I I make my money. I, I don't want to uh, sacrifice quality or make it make it just you know much more difficult and kind of flimsy yeah. than it should but, be. You know, like in all honesty, I feel like podcasters talk a lot about podcasting, so we hear about it a lot. But that's not mm-hmm. something that probably most people do day to day. It's probably not an no. issue for most people. Not at all, which is which is why I genuinely believe that these devices, these iPad Pros, can help the majority of people. Like if I was a writer, if what I did was writing uh, instead of podcasting, I wouldn't ever use a Mac anymore. Like well, I wouldn't ever turn the Mac on. I, I, Let's um, talk about that a little bit, if that's all right. I mean, because I know you've mentioned about having some RSI issues, and I, I've struggled with that you know, for, for years. I was diagnosed with some early onset in, in high school. And I've had to be very, very careful with that. And I, I found that prolonged use of the iPad is one of the things that, that tends to bother me. Um, have What have you done to cope with that on the iPad? I know you're using the um, the external keyboard, but even on that 9.7 inch, it's it's a little more cramped. Are you using exclusively the, the keyboard cover or are you using, um, you know, 
other keyboards that give you a, a little more travel or, you know, what, what works with that? So I use the keyboard cover uh, pretty much exclusively, and this could potentially manifest itself into some problems later. Um, I, d- I don't know. Uh, but my my RSI came from mouse uh, usage, so that was the problem that I was having. Um, I it seemed that you know the the hand my right hand which I'd use my mouse in that was where I started to get pains in in my wrist and in my uh, in my hand, and I never thought that was going to be the case until it happened. So there's a potential that what I'm doing now with the iPad will come to bite me. But I do believe that using the pencil in the way that I do is more ergonomic um, because I have been using pens and pencils my entire life and it's never caused me problems. Um, So I think as long as I try and do that, I will keep my hands healthy. Uh, I don't write and type an awful lot because I'm not a writer. Like, I write as much as a regular person would. I send emails, I write, send tweets, that, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm chatting with people. I'm not sitting down and typing furiously for hours because for me anyway, it seems that, that, that I've struggled when have when I've been doing the same thing for a long period of time. So my uh, RSI problems manifested when I was editing podcasts for many, many hours at a time. Uh, but luckily, I've found a way to kind of cut out that on the Mac of using a Wacom tablet. And I'm, I think it's helping me on the iPad uh, because of using the pencil and also because I can switch it up to use my hands. Um, I wonder about the ergonomics because, I mean, actually I do sometimes sit at my desk with the iPad, but it's lower down. And I'm looking at trying to think now about some ways to do that. Um, uh, I had a, a company send me a product called the Easel, which is like a kind of like a drafting table set up for the iPad, which it kind of holds it on with a, a real grippy rubber. And that's quite interesting. So I'm trying out some stuff like that to see if it works. But one of the things that I think helps me um, is I move around the house a lot when I'm using my iPads. I'm maybe sitting at a desk and I might go sit downstairs. I might go sit on the couch. You know, I might be laying in bed and reading. Like I feel like I am moving and on days where I'm editing podcasts and recording, I have my butt in this chair for hours and hours and hours and hours. And I move around the house way less. So I think for me anyway, I'm not, I don't think I'm doing any of this specifically right, but from an ergonomics perspective, I feel like, it's kind of swings around about to me. Like it's, it's either I'm either doing something right or something wrong, but it feels okay. Okay. So on, on that, I mean, you shouldn't blame that on the Mac though. I mean, you, you gotta be a big boy and get yourself no, a timer. It's, it's my problem. It's you my get, problem. You get a timer. Yeah. Like I, yeah. when I have a, when I work intensely at the Mac, I always set like about a 45 minute timer and just burst and then take a break for 15 and it, it works. Get up, yeah, you know, I, move around. Yeah. Uh, you know, I maybe should have phrased that a little bit differently. Actually, it's like my habits are different, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it doesn't need me to force myself to do things because um, I also know how I am. And if that timer hits, I know this is all wrong. Don't take my, don't let's take any of this advice. This is all wrong. But if that timer hits and I am deep into a specifically difficult edit, then I'm not going to get up. But also, snooze yourself I'm not there. Gonna, That's where you snooze. You give yourself 15 more. Yeah, but, but, but no more. also I'm not going to get up while sitting down for two hours to do this because then you won't hear me because I'll be on the other side of the room. And with the amount of podcasts that I record, 
that is one of the bigger problems more yeah, than editing is I the bet. actual sitting down to record. And, and I have the same experience as you that it is absolutely true when you're kind of iPadding and you've got the ability to, I mean, honestly, we're so lucky. Uh, we don't sit in an office all day. Like a lot of people listening to the show are forced mm-hmm. to. So I can take my iPad pro to the park, you know, and, and I do, you know, and so it's, you know, we're very lucky to be able to do that, but that I think it does help mix things up. I'm trying one of those easels too. And I find it really nice. Uh, when the house is empty, I put it on the kitchen table and I put the, the iPads actually next to each other and I may have reference going and I'm dictating and man, I feel like, you know, captain Picard up there driving the starship enterprise when I'm doing it. It's great. Um, so, Picard so what didn't are, drive. What'd you say? He doesn't drive. Hmm. <laughs> well, maybe if Mr. Crusher is playing video games. Okay. And, well, there um, you go. Then, then he may be just sits in. But, but either way, the um, uh, uh, Mike, what are some of the apps that are, are bringing you that joy and allowing you to get your work done these days with this iPad? So for me, I feel like a lot of the apps that, that I like are cross-platform but I prefer their iOS versions. So some examples of this is Fantastical. Um, I really love Fantastical on the iPad. Uh, it's it's I, With version 2 on the Mac, I got a lot of what I was looking for, which was the full calendar view as well as the kind of the smaller calendar view. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I just really love the animations and, and I love the design of the um, the iPad version more. I like the big calendar view on the right hand side and the, the kind of the, the condensed view on the left of just my appointments. Um, and then apps and, like OmniFocus. And, you know, but on fantastic the one thing I love is the, the endless scrolling, you know, where you can yeah. just scroll. Oh, that's so great. How come Apple doesn't have that in the built in? I, I guess they kind of do, but not like fantastic. does it? Uh, apps like OmniFocus for me, uh, gel way more on iOS. Um, I prefer the design of the iOS version. Uh, I really love the dark mode. Uh, I love apps that have dark modes. It's just, I just find it more comfortable. Uh, but I really love the way that Forecast looks on the iPad. It's always been fantastic. Um, and I just really enjoy in the Forecast mode. It's kind of, that's all it is, and, which kind of makes sense for me. Now, Mike, we should have you, probably have you... talk about how you use OmniFocus a little bit on the iPad. I know, David, you were probably heading there. Well, I just have one question. Well, to start, I have a lot of questions. You have a lot but, of questions about that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if you've been following because it's it's public news. They've put it on their blog. They have built a scripting system. It uses URL callbacks yep. into OmniFocus. And by the time this show goes live, I think it will actually be live for everybody. And um, And I have gone... This has been my, you know, my entertainment for the last week. Every night at like 10 o'clock, I stop doing everything and I start writing OmniFocus scripts. I now have like 20 of them. And um, it's amazing. So like like the podcast, like if we're going to do the Mac Power Users podcast, I've got a script that's like 16 items starting from, you know, confirm with the guest to add the bookmarks to the show. I mean, the whole thing is now automated for me and it's super great the way you can do it because you can actually use tags to put defer dates and so you can say like tweet the show out but don't give me the notice to do this until a day after the show publishes and give me a due date three days later i mean it's just so granular have you played with that stuff yet mike i've tried um and so i I, have no computer programming knowledge i have no background in this at all and i've played around with some of the examples and i've struggled to kind of really get it to work and then also to know how to adapt it 
But what I'm waiting for is people to start sharing their scripts. I, I'm sending you some of my scripts, Mike. I mean, this is yes, so... I, I think I may screencast it because it's just so... It's so powerful. It makes OmniFocus better on iPad. I, I just don't I'm, even... I'm also hoping for some uh, workflow.app actions. Oh, that's coming too. Well. That's coming That's too. what I, I figured yeah. it would. And, and that I can really understand. Um, like I really can can work out how to do things in workflow. And there's been many times where I've... I know that there's a thing I want to do and I've sat down and tried to do it in workflow and I can make it happen for myself. Um, but the basic kind of the raw code is just not something that gels in my brain very well. Um, and once somebody shows it to me, I can kind of work out how to adapt and tweak things, but just kind of the raw, like, here's the documentation, go crazy. It just doesn't visualize for me. Okay. I'm just going to give you one because I want to I want to tease the, the listeners too. once you hear me explain this, I bet you're going to go figure out for yourself. So like it, generally I do it through editorial because it has a task paper like plugin. So you can create a task like, you know, confirm show with guest and then you just say at do, you know, so at D.U.E. open paren and you can say January 3rd. You know, and then close it. And then now when it creates the task, it's got a due date of January 3rd or at context, you know, email. And it's mm. going to have the context. So it's just a set of tags. And once you understand them, you can make extremely complex projects that you repeat over and over again and and do it all by these scripts, which saves you so much time and just make it's just a great thing. So I'm I'm really glad that they're doing it. Me too. Um we were talking about it on Cortex uh, just before they announced that they were doing this. And one of the things that me and Gray were, were concerned about that, that OmniFocus might have been sticking too much to the GTD ways of doing things. Um, and it feels like, you know, the strict kind of raw David Allen GTD ways of doing things and templates and stuff didn't really feel like something that they were willing to try. And I'm very happy to see that they're breaking things a little bit and kind of really kind of pushing the boundaries. Yeah. Well, that's, I, I've never really felt they're that close to it, but Katie, what was your question? Yeah. That's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Mike, is because I've heard you talk about on previous shows that, you know, you don't necessarily use OmniFocus as an all in GTD methodology. You just kind of use it to nope. put your stuff in there and, and get things done. And I was wondering mm -hmm. if you could expand on that a little bit, especially in the context of it sounds like you're primarily using it on your iPad. I don't even know if you have it on your Mac, but that's one of the things that we hear people talk to us quite a bit. And, you know, full disclosure, Omni is a sponsor. They're not sponsoring this episode. But, uh, you know, a lot of people say OmniFocus, it's it's too big. It's too much. It's too much for me to get into. It's, you know, for you know, I, I disagree with this, but it's too expensive. I don't want to buy it across all of my devices. You know, for someone who wants to get started, maybe wants to get started with the iOS version on their iPad and maybe isn't, you know, whole hog into the GTD methodology, maybe talk a little bit about how you're using it and how it's working for you. I pretty much use OmniFocus as a task list as opposed to a getting things done application. Um, I don't have projects or contacts. Um, it is effectively for me a list of tasks and I live in the forecast view. It's the only view of OmniFocus that, that I use. Um, and from there I have, a, I've built basically my way of working around it. When I first started using it, I was using projects and contexts, but for me, it felt like it was slowing me down. Um, like I would go to enter a task and I had to fill out like 16 boxes first. 
and I've totally get the idea of the inbox and reviewing the inbox and then assigning things to where they need to go later. But for me, I just felt what I really needed to do was just set a due date. And so every item that I enter into OmniFocus gets a due date and time. Uh, and that's how I kind of run my life. And I have a real good feeling that I, when I open the forecast view, there is an, a, a number. And depending on the number of tasks in, in any given day, I know if my day is busy or not. Because I kind of keep as few tasks in there as possible uh, to just make sure that I'm getting everything done. And the reason that I use OmniFocus now is because OmniFocus has been the app that I've used for so long. So I'm kind of built to work around it. I've tried, I've tried every other type of to do hot to do app that most people have tried, and there's always a few things that just don't work right for me because I am kind of fit with how OmniFocus works. You know, I love the way that the reminders work. I love how easy it is to defer something for a week. Like all of that stuff is is just ingrained in the way that I believe a to do app or a getting things done app is meant to be. So I use it very simply, but it really works for me. The last part of it is all that matters. You know, I mean, whatever yeah. you use, use whatever works for you. Yeah, and, and, and frankly, I know that a- you know. I get things done, so it must be doing an okay job. Yeah. Well, it's like I was talking about, you know, my, uh, my lounging morning in bed, you know, yeah. uh, but it really is important to me to, to figure out where I'm going with the day and I have a system and the system works and I don't spend all day in my system. I spend about an hour every morning and then I actually spend the rest of the day producing things. So, uh, and, and the, I think the template stuff does really interest me because there are times where, um, for example, I'll, I will write a, a task that needs to be completed, but I know that task has multiple steps that need to be done for it to be completed. And I, I actually will then make a bulleted list in the notes part of the task of all of the things that need to be done before that uh, item can be completed. So having the, like, so, you know, this might be like published cortex and there's like six things that need to happen, but I don't want to have six things outstanding constantly. I would like to be able to invoke a template that occurs and then I can check them all off in one time. Um, because, because of the way that I like to look at the forecast view, if every Friday had 20 tasks, um, as then I would always think that Friday was way busier than it was meant to be, even though it's actually not. It's just I have seven things that belong to a recurring project. So having a template that I could invoke would be great for me to just use it in that day to get rid of the things that I need to get rid of, rather than trying to assume how busy I'm going to be by looking at the forecast for you. I'm so glad you said that. Okay, so I was I was hoping you would give me permission. Now, we're going to be at WWDC together in a couple months. I'm going to take mm-hmm. your hand. I'm going to take you mm-hmm. maybe up to Samovar. We'll have some nice tea. <laughs> and I'm going, to, I'm going to show you some things, Mike. That's all okay. I'm going to say. Okay. It sounds it's David, Mike. I'm like, it's time to update your OmniFocus field guide. Um, you know what? It does sound like that, doesn't it? And, and every morning when I go through my OmniFocus, I make some tasks, and maybe that's on the list. So, um. But this isn't all about OmniFocus. What are some of the other apps that you're using to uh, to get stuff done with your uh, with your fancy big iPad collection? Uh, Tweetbot, Tweetbot is uh, Tweetbot on the iPad is by far the best Twitter. Okay. View anywhere. 
We've had people ask us about this. A lot of people just don't get Twitter. Um, you know, you are a prolific tweeter, and mm-hmm. you also run a business that mm-hmm. depends on social media. So, uh, I mean, definitely tell us about how you're using Twitter, but also, uh, you know, can you kind of answer a question for people who are looking at, you know, how can Twitter be a marketing tool for their business? Why should somebody use Twitter if they're just saying, I just don't get this? What What is compelling about Twitter? For me, uh, our, our audience is there, right? I don't know if it works for, for all types of businesses. Um, but do I know do lawyers us, need to be on Twitter? You see that I don't need that I don't know right like I know that my accountant's on Twitter right because that's that's how he I found him uh, but and well, that, so that was that's really actually useful. interesting in itself you know that that's how you find your accountant yeah. so I just tweeted one day does does any can anybody in London recommend a good accountant and he tweeted at me and said I'm a good one and I was like I like your style <laughs> and so we had a chat because. For me, if my accountant's on Twitter, he's showing that he can at least begin to understand what I do for a living. You know, if I, if I rocked up to a, a stuffy office somewhere and said, hi, I'm a podcaster, they'd be like, are you an alien? Like, what are you? Um, so I, when I was setting out to do this stuff, I wanted to try and be able to talk to someone and them understand roughly what my business was about too much work. So... I do think that if you are that way inclined, there can be a benefit there. And there is a way to acquire customers that way. I know that through, I had a conversation with him and I've spoken about it since. He gets a lot of his clients that way because he is able to interact with people on a medium that they're comfortable with. Um, So, you know, there there can be reasons for that. I think for for many people, uh, using Twitter as a way to broadcast a message about your company is kind of pointless unless you have lots of people following you. Like if you have no followers or you have five followers, there's not really, in my opinion, much of a reason to talk about a business because there's nobody to see it. Right. And, you know, we struggle with this. I think everybody does. Like y- you have a new project and you tweet about it and how many people actually come from it from there. Like it can be really difficult to work this stuff out. I just know like with the type of business that I have, um, Twitter is, is very important to that. More than anything, it is a big source of entertainment for me. And it's where I find stories for shows. Like I don't use RSS anymore um, because I find out everything I need to find out through friends tweeting links or, and I follow a couple of uh, websites that I like. I follow their like firehose accounts. So I kind of get the headline tickers of the day, but that's where I'm getting all of the stuff that we talk about on the shows, it's all coming through there for me now because it kind of is like a hub of friends and people that I'm interested in, people that I'm a fan of, and also kind of news sources. It all flows into Twitter for me. And over the... I've been using it for like nine years at this point. No, yeah, about nine years at this point. Over that time, I've been able to kind of cultivate a list of people that I like to read from. And it you know, changes all the time. People come in and people come out of that list. But it works really well for me. And for the type of business that I do, talking to people, Twitter is a fantastic source of receiving feedback. And that can be just what people think about the shows, uh, but also follow-up and, and suggestions for further topics. A lot of that comes through Twitter is the main source for me where I have to get that type of information. And 
Tweetbot on the iPad is brilliant for that. Um, I love the overall look and feel of the application. I love the multiple columns, so I'm able to monitor mentions of an account if I want to. Um, I can look at like the activity view to see what people are saying to me, how people are reacting to things that I'm trying to link to and stuff like that. It's a, it is a really, truly fantastic application. I want to talk some more about uh, the how you're using your devices specifically for your business because we haven't talked very much about how you're how you're getting content for shows and how you're running shows. Uh, let's do that right after this break. So this episode of Mac Power Users is also sponsored by Drobo, the family of safe, expandable yet simple to use storage arrays. Drobos are designed to protect you and your important data forever, and you can visit Drobo.com to learn more. So Drobo has an entire lineup of products, and you can choose the one that fits best with your needs. But Drobo believes a couple of core things. They believe that data is essential to our lives and that your Drobo's job is to keep that data safe. Drobo helps mitigate against the possibility of hard drive failure. It's very easy to expand a Drobo. You just take a drive, pop it in. It's simple and intuitive. And quite frankly, Drobos are simple and a joy to use. So I have a Drobo 5N and I love it because it's a single device on my network. All of my devices can access it. And it's one single pot of data that I can use to store, backup, and archive my files without having to worry about having a dozen different hard drives lying around and worrying about what's on what hard drive. I use my Drobo for time machine backups for both my uh, MacBook Air and my iPad mini. I use it as a Plex server because the Drobo 5N has the ability to run applications. And I use it for archive and storage. And I don't worry about the Drobo because the way that the Drobo is set up, it is redundant so that if a single drive fails in my Drobo, it's okay because the Drobo has the ability to rebuild itself on the go. I can pop out that bad drive, stick another one in, and I'll get notifications on the go telling me that, hey, I need to put another drive in or I'm running out of space. Drobo's Beyond RAID technology eliminates many of the restrictions of traditional RAID systems because I can mix and match my drives. I can start with two or more drives, mix and match, and my storage grows as I need to grow. But here's something really cool. Drobo has just released a new app for their network-attached Drobos. That would include the Drobo 5N and the Drobo 810N, and it's called Drobo Access. And what this does is it gives you access to your files on your Drobo from just about anywhere. This includes your iPhone, your iPad, and the web. The data is all encrypted end-to-end, and each Drobo carries a unique SSL certificate. So this means that if you find yourself at the office or at a friend's house, or just out and about using your iPhone or your iPad, you can now gain access to all of that storage, that huge pot of storage that's on your Drobo device. And we'll be talking about this more in future ad spots and future episodes of Mac Power users. But if you've ever thought about getting involved in network attached storage and had considered a Drobo, this may be just enough to push you over an edge. And as a special bonus for Mac Power users, you can save $100 on the purchase of a Drobo Mini, a Drobo 5D, a Drobo 5N, or any of their 8-drive or 12-drive systems by going to drobostore.com and using coupon code MPU100, all one word. So go check it out, drobostore.com, coupon code MPU100, and thanks to Drobo for their kind support of Mac Power users. Okay, Mike, we talked about uh, some of the social stuff you're doing uh, with the iPad. Um, and for for this question, we'll set aside iPad versus Mac. Um, you've got this business that's been very successful. Congratulations. Uh, but now you've got all these things you do. 
and and I'm sure you use technology for quite a bit of it. So so what are some of the big rock items you deal with every week, and how are you pulling that off? Yeah. So if we if we pull the uh, podcast creation out of this, like the actual uh, recording and editing, um, there are a few things that go into to my business. One of them is is research. Um, and I mentioned like Twitter is a great way that, that I get that stuff in. Uh, and I have fallen head over heels in love with the Apple Notes app. Um, it is. I didn't know that. It's, yeah, it's so good. I've been using it since iOS 9 came out. And I have a really great workflow for me. So what I was finding over time was that people would send me links or they'd send me things in emails, especially like in Twitter, I would see this more. People would send me links to things and it would come to record a show. And I was like, oh, I knew I had a good link, but I can't remember what it was. Like I knew I was missing stuff. So Apple Notes plays a really important part in the creation of the content for the shows because I use the extension to save things to a note that is specific for each show. So I have like an analog follow-up, a cortex follow-up, a connected follow-up, and so on. And I save links to those notes. And then when it comes for the morning of the show where I sit down and do my outline, um, I open up the notes app and pull out all of those things and put them into the, the outline document, which is in a document collaboration system of some kind. And I love it for that. And then when I start using it for that, I use it for everything. Um, I'm moving away from Evernote mainly. Um, I use Evernote for one purpose now, which is to forward the receipts that I get when I book travel. Um, But even now, when I actually come to make the trip, I will sit down a couple of days before the trip and I will open up Apple Notes and I'll write everything that I need. I'll write down the address of the hotel, all my flight information, um, any itineraries that I need, it all goes into a note in Apple Notes because that is where I go now for any kind of simple text entry. Yeah, one of the things, it, it feels like it's kind of cheating, but for Apple Notes, especially for a, an iOS user like yourself, um, the the hooks to Apple Notes are throughout the operating system. I mean, mm-hmm. n- no third-party Notes app is going to get that kind of support uh, ever, probably. So that's one of the reasons why Apple Notes is attractive to me is because it's all tied in. How many notes do you currently have in your notes database, if you know? Let me go and take a look. Um, I have 83 currently. Yeah. Um, but so, I know yeah, I delete a lot rookie. of them as well. You know? <laughs> I'm at like 950 right now. Yeah, I'm but, not, but the, I, I keep things pruned down. I mean, because the thing for me is a lot of the notes that I have are living documents. Yeah. There is stuff moving in and out of them constantly. Sure, like Cortex Notes is going to be emptied out the next time you record, but then refilled before the next recording after that. Yeah, yeah. The um, One of the things I've talked about Apple Notes uh, a bit on the show lately, because remarkably, I found myself using an Apple Notes product, which is another thing I thought I'd never do. Um, and hearing from listeners, I am hearing from people that it, it does break about 2000. If you think you're going to get to around 2000, 2500, it's going to slow down on you. And, um, so hmm. that's a bit of feedback for the listeners, but it doesn't sound to me that's much of a risk for you. If anyone can stress test an app, it's the Mac power users listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have the best, the best listeners. Now, most of your stuff though, you're doing with Co-hosts, you have co-hosts mm-hmm. on all of your shows um, at present. I know you've got another one in the works that you may or may not always have co-hosts on. 
But um, how are you sharing out information with them and collaborating on those? I will break my violin out now for Google Docs uh. um, on iOS. <laughs> so there, I, for for a selection of my shows, I am using Google Docs. And, and the reason that it upsets me is because uh, Google, at this point, seems resistant um, to... Put multi to support multitasking, split screen multitasking on iOS. The Google Docs application itself is pretty good, and as a collaboration engine, there is no better collaboration engine. It is superb what you can do in Google Docs with multiple people editing a document live. There is no other product which even comes close to the power of the multiple person collaboration. So there are still shows that I use it for. But for some of my shows where I am working with people who are very iOS focused, like uh, Federico and Gray, uh, we use Quip. And I really like Quip a lot. It is Quip's entire business is spreadsheets and presentations and documents. It is what, you know, the old Google Docs basically used to be, right? Like it was just that product. And it was, I think, was it Open Docs or something like that, which Google bought to turn into that. But anyway, Quip is really good. They do a great job of staying up to date with the latest and greatest. Um, it supports split screen multitasking fantastically. It's not perfect. It has some bugs here and there, but it does a, a good job of a pretty good job of collaboration. Um, but most importantly, it allows those of us who are using uh, these these tools on iOS to be able to have multiple windows or multiple apps open at one time. And I really like it for that. It's great on the iPhone. Uh, it's great on the iPad and it's, and it has a pretty good Mac application. It's not so good on the web. Um, that's, that's kind of where it starts to fall down a little bit for me, but it has a fantastic Mac app um, that, that, you know, that does, it does the job better than the web app does. I think. I got really excited about Quip about a year ago. And I mm -hmm. wanted to like do our show on and everything. And Katie's like, of course you realize we have like six years of data and everything in Google docs. Well, let me tell you something magic. <laughs> you can import Google. Don't, don't tell them something magic. We're not moving. <laughs> it will import Google docs now. Which Mom it, and dad this, are the fighting. The first time I used it, it didn't do that. Uh, I don't know if it will import the history though, but I think it probably will. Uh, but give it a go, David and see what I, happens. I, I have to, I have to talk to the boss. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. I, yeah. I want to try it, frankly, because I, I like I am frustrated with Google Docs. I feel like it just feels like Google. The, the weird thing is, I don't. If you asked me two years ago, okay, there's two companies and it, Microsoft and Google, and in two years, one of them is going to be making awesome things for the iPad, and one of them is going to be making sucky things for the iPad. Now, pick which company. I never would have got. I would never would have got it right because Microsoft is killing it and Google. Google seems like they could care less right now. Apple is the worst offender though. Yeah. When it comes well, to, the funny to is collaboration. None of us is talking about using collaboration in pages. Cause you yeah. can't do it on iOS. Yeah. 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 It's, it's insane. So you can, you can do it on the web uh, to, to some level of success, but it's one of the most hilarious in a bad way things. If you try and collaborate with uh, in a iCloud, what do they call it? Uh, pages in the iCloud, iCloud pages. Don't we don't know. We did it iCloud. once and never again. We did it once and I got I a lot of trouble that time. <laughs> we try, we tried to, you know, you try and open a link on iOS and it's like, you can download this 
document and it won't sync the changes because it's downloaded, but is that collaboration? No. And it's not collaboration, Apple. It's terrible. I, I don't even know why they attempted to create this product. Um, if they would have just never done anything, it would have been fine. But I don't know why they tried to do this. I've got my eye on Microsoft. Um, I know that they're working on uh, document collaboration in their apps and on the web uh, because Word is incredible. Um, Word on iOS and on the iPad is is a fantastic application. It still has this weird, like, it has this weird thing about the subscription, uh, which I find so strange. It's so Microsoft that any device under 10 inches can edit Word documents without a subscription. Any device over 10 inches, yeah. you need an Office 365 account. It's like, it's so, it's so weirdly Microsoft still. Yeah, yeah um, it is. But the applications kind of themselves beautiful. are fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, and I, I've given a lot of praise on Word lately, which is really weird, the fact that I'm doing that. But the um, it's not perfect on iOS either. I mean, like, for instance, uh, you cannot change styles. Like, I, I have certain, like, typography I want to use for headings and things, and it doesn't work on the iPad. you got to go to a Mac to set the settings you can't like change a font and change make that change of the setting um there it it is frankly more stable on ios than it is on mac these days Mm -hmm. and like the pencil support is amazing i mean this katie you know this is like another reason why i wanted a second ipad frankly it's like i was working on a word document and with somebody that i collaborate with and i this person want i just i just take the pencil and i write on the document and and I was trying to do it on an iPad Air 1, you know, I mean, or had one, I knew I couldn't do it. And it's just that, that kind of little stuff is the friction that makes you say, well, I'll go ahead and buy another one. But the, um, uh, the word has its problems, but man, they, they just seem like they're really pushing hard to make a really excellent iPad app right now. And it I guess, seems you like know, the, Apple and Microsoft are willing to work together, right? Because Microsoft got advanced, you know, look at the pencil and stuff like that. So, it's great for everyone. I just well, wish Google would get in this boat. Yeah, I wish they would too, frankly, because they, they've got a lot to offer if they would. Mm-hmm. Um, now with Quip, just because I remember this is another thing, a, a very good point that Katie made when I wanted to try and, and push into it. I said, look, we have all these guests. They aren't going to be able to get into Quip documents. I mean, how hard is it for a third party? Like if I share a document with you and you're not a Quip sub- subscriber, how much? how many steps does another person have to go through to get access to it? I think you have to set up an account. Yeah, um, that's probably a problem. Yeah, yeah which I, I don't think you can do anonymous editing in it. Yeah, you might be able to, but I've not tried because I don't. I don't need to worry about that. I don't have any kind of big guest shows like that. Yeah, um, or at least the shows that I'm using Quip for. Uh, it, I just do it with regular co-hosts. What about the rest of your business? What what are the what's the other stuff you're doing now? Like I'm sure there's a lot of financial stuff to the extent you want to talk about that. Yeah, sure. I mean, a, a lot of kind of the bookkeeping, if you would call it that. Uh, Stephen uh, Hackett, my co-founder, takes care of. But um, I do a lot of the invoice. I do all the invoicing uh, at Relay FM, and there's a few things that we use. Um, we have a a sponsorship system, which is kind of a, a custom built thing, which works really great in web browsers uh, on iOS. So that's how I kind of book in all of the sponsors for the shows. And we also use that in conjunction with uh, the invoicing software that we use. Uh, we use FreshBooks. FreshBooks are our sponsor of Relay FM, um, but we have been using them since the company was created. It was the, the, the software that we went to. And 
I will sit down on a on a Friday morning and I open Chrome and Safari side by side and and I will fly through my invoices uh, going from entering them on FreshBooks and then I will throw them into our sponsor system. Uh, and I have a Google Sheet, unfortunately, which we keep of, of managing some of this stuff as well. So I'll flick between the the applications and and do what I got to do there. But I this is the thing, right? I used to dread sending my invoices out because it's like, it's just like a slow monotonous process, right? Yeah. You have to sit down and do your invoicing. I really enjoy doing it on the iPad. Like it's fun and it's lovely. And I like using the pencil and I click over here and I click over here. Like this is just like my overall feeling about the iPad is it makes all of my work feel better because I use the applications that I like and in the system that I like, and I can do it from wherever I want. So all that finance stuff is done there. Um, so you're yeah, just so- opening like a web page in one pane in Chrome and a web page in another uh, pane in uh, Safari and copying yeah. and pasting information back and forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I switched my uh, invoicing for my law practice over to a, an online service and it's crazy. Cause it, when I used to work in a firm, it was like a three day thing to get the bills out. And now I do it like in an hour and a half sitting on a couch in the backyard and, mm-hmm. you know, just pushing buttons and, and off they go. It, it, there, there is a lot of ways to automate this stuff. I mean, it just feels to me um, really kind of like the original magic of the iPad that we are all looking for is kind of here now. And I'm having so much fun finding new ways to do things I've done differently for my whole life. And, uh, and there's some stuff like, do you have any of those other experiences where it's like all of a sudden it's just a completely different game because you're working on the big iPad? Uh, contracts. I do have a lot of contracts, um, yeah. for different things, you know, signing a lot of agreements and stuff. And Holding them in my hand, reading through them is really nice. Highlighting what I need to highlight, circling things with the Apple Pencil. And then my favorite thing, signing stuff. I'm actually signing it, right? Like, I like that feeling, you know, of actually taking the pencil and signing it at the end and then sending it off. And I really like the interaction of um, handing documents from one app to the other. And I know this is one of the things that, that, that can frustrate people that aren't really used to iOS, but like... I like getting an email that has a PDF in it, sending the PDF off the PDF pen, signing it, sending it back in. Like I like that kind of flow. It works quite nicely for me and and it kind of fits the way that I think about these things of like treating each application as providing a function as opposed to feeling like I need it all to be within the same application. I like that kind of flow. Yeah, it, it is. It's strange times and exciting days, folks. Um, yeah. I want to go to our last sponsor, and we've got a bunch of questions that uh, listeners have sent in to ask um, Mike Hurley on our show. Some of them are, are going to be very enlightening. So I think you should stick around and listen for that. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Automatic. Go to automatic.com slash MacPower to get 20% off and bring your car into the future. Now, chances are that your car hasn't fully kept up with technology, and that's where the automatic comes in. It's a small adapter that turns any car into a connected car. You just plug the automatic into the same port that your mechanic uses to diagnose engine problems, and it opens up a world of possibilities. Once you've connected the automatic to your iPhone, it allows you to keep track of your fuel mileage and vehicle health, or even track expenses for business trips. 
you know, that check engine light that goes on in your car and really doesn't tell you whether it's a $10 problem or a $10,000 problem. The automatic tells you before you go to the shop so you don't get surprised. Because it connects your phone to your car, you can also integrate it with things like the Nest thermostat so it'll know when you're home. And it can even provide the answer to one of life's most common questions. Where did I park my car? Maybe you're like me and you just did your taxes and you were trying to figure out exactly how many miles you drove for business because that's important to know. Well, if you had an automatic, you could automate that process. In fact, with my automatic, every time I take my car on a trip, I get a little tap on my wrist because there's a watch app that connects to the iPhone app. And it says, was this business related? And if I tap it, it says yes. And then it records that information to my automatic database. Then at the end of the year, I can get a printout and show exactly how many miles I drove for work. It's super useful and just a great way to automate things that used to be quite difficult. Another thing I love about the automatic is it can detect when the vehicle's been in a crash and you can even give it three phone numbers. And if there's a crash, somebody at automatic will make phone calls to those people to make sure everybody's okay. I love this so much that I bought automatics for my wife and daughter's cars so I can always get noticed if they're in an accident. Now you get all this service without any monthly service fee. For the automatic, it's a one-time purchase of $99.95, but we can get you 20% off that when you use the special offer code MACPOWER. When you go to buy your automatic device, go to automatic.com slash MACPOWER and you'll get 20% off. Once again, the offer code is MACPOWER, M-A-C-P-O-W-E-R. I've owned my automatic device for several years now, and it still makes me giggle when I see the way I can connect it to my phone and make great stuff happen. You should too. Go to automatic.com slash MACPOWER, and thank you, Automatic, for supporting the MACPOWER users. So, Mike, a couple of questions wanted to know. You know, you're obviously the pen guy. You've got a, Mm -hmm. a pen habit. So how does that work with a paperless device like an iPad? How do you reconcile the two? Your paperless habits versus kind of your field notes lifestyle is the way that it was phrased. Yeah, um, I hate having paper unless it's paper I choose to bring into the house. Uh, if I, I do my utmost to get as few letters as possible uh, coming here um, and the, the what I use pen and paper for these days is like a hobby. It's like a recreational activity. Um, and I love pens and paper and I love what I can do with all of those things. And I take notes in them and, you know, I'm, I have uh, great dreams of learning lettering as a, as a skill, which is, will be very difficult, but I have like a whole set, which I'm going to try and learn from. And now are you I doing like that with an app the, or how are you learning? Lettering? Well, I, uh, there's a subscription service called art snacks um, and they sold a lettering kit recently, which I purchased. So it's, it's all stuff, um, you know, like pens and, and pads and pencils that are good for lettering. And it comes with some courses and stuff that I can go and watch. So that's, you know, that is a whole different thing for me to using the Apple pencil to take notes of a call or something like that. It, I know it's difficult to, to reconcile the two things until recently I was, uh, for the, for the pen addict, we did a live episode at the Atlanta pen show and somebody brought to me, um, a, a new product that Moleskine is working on called the smart writing set. And it's basically like the next step of a live scribe. And you're able to write in with this pen and in one of the special pens, special notebooks. 
And as you're writing, you can see in an application that it's writing automatically for you and you can use the app to change the colors of the ink and stuff like that, you know, in the application. And as I was using it and seeing things come up on the screen, there was something which, whilst I love the Apple Pencil and it is the closest representation uh, of my handwriting that any digital products have been able to produce, it doesn't feel like pen and paper. Like, you do not get the resistance that, that I love. You don't get the feeling and the feedback. It's not the same. So for me, like pen and paper is more of a thing that I enjoy rather than the thing that I use for utility. Um, and that's kind of how I, I reconcile those things in my head. Pen and paper is like a hobby of mine, uh, whilst a lot of the paperless stuff is because I need to save space for, for my business documents. And then a lot of people wanted to know, um, how do you physically have endurance, your voice, for so many podcasts? You're recording hours and hours and hours a week. Let's separate the endurance and the voice part because I have different answers for those things. Uh, for the endurance stuff, like how do I record so many podcasts in a week? It is my job, but it's what I love. I mean, I was doing I was doing this for like four or five years in my spare time after I got home from work. I love making podcasts. It is the career that I was lucky enough to choose. And no matter what, happens in my business no matter what things stress me out they're never recording the shows because that's the thing that i love to do i love to talk to my friends about the things that i enjoy you know i was joking recently um and it's it, but it is true i have a podcast about every of one of my hobbies i have a pen and paper podcast right yeah. like i just find a way to make a podcast out of all the stuff that i love to talk about and and I I think that if anything could be said for how I've been able to turn this into a business is because of that. Like I talk about the things that I love and I think that helps make shows that people want to listen to. When it comes to my voice, this is something that I'm starting to get increasingly concerned about um, and I'm spending more time looking into and thinking about uh, exercises and things that I should be doing to protect my voice. Uh, I just realized these days that um, if I talk loudly, like, you know, if, if I go to a bar with some friends and even if I don't drink and just talk loudly, I really feel it the next day. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm just a little bit getting a little bit more concerned these days that this is the way that I uh, I make my money now. And I need to just be a little bit more considerate of what I'm doing to my vocal cords. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think podcasting is as much of a risk to you as going to rock concerts in a lot of ways, because that any yeah. place where you, you yell a lot, that's where it's going to really hurt things. Yeah. Uh, one, one listener wrote in and said, why don't you have four iPads like Ray? If I if I worked <laughs> the way that he did, I'm sure I would. And, yeah. you know, like for anybody that doesn't know, the, the joke is like Gray has some, CGP Gray has so many iPads because he silos the ipads off for specific topic uh, for, for specific tasks and as i mentioned earlier like i don't really subscribe to that line of thinking uh i think partly because i don't want to have four i just don't want the management i'd have to sign up for one of those like mobile device management software packages just to look after my ipads i don't want to get in that world two is two is more than enough since you're since you're using the uh, another question came in uh, since you're using iOS so much now do you have any particular wishes for iOS 10 Federico Vitici did a great job of summing them all up in a beautiful video um I really would love to see 
you know, there are a lot of cosmetic changes that we all would wish. Like, I'd love to see more dark apps implement dark mode. But more than anything else, from a functional perspective, uh, the the uh, split screen multitasking, the the app picker needs some serious work. That thing is yeah, horrific. Mul- multiple to use. selections, amen. Yeah. Yeah. just any different type of uh, layout would be better than the one that we've got I think um, drag and drop for for things would be fantastic you know I would love to be able to just drag a link into notes rather than needing to use the extension all the time um, And but more fundamentally for me uh, I really would like to see Apple re- rewrite the underpinnings of the audio engine uh, to allow for multiple streams of audio, to allow for recording of audio and streaming of audio. So I would be able to, if I wanted to, uh, do more audio production and recording on iOS. If 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 with iOS 10, Apple gives me everything I want and they give me the ability, for example, to record, say, a FaceTime call or a Skype call and also to record my own local audio as well, I wouldn't switch to my iPad for podcasting immediately. But what it would do is allow me to not need to ever have to worry about having a Mac with me if I'm traveling. You know, it would allow me to to be confident that I could use my iPad to do my work wherever I was. I so if the- I was away somewhere, yeah. I'd be able to use it. Uh, but I do foresee a future in which I would use my iPad or an iPad-like device for everything because I do believe that it is closer to the future of computing uh than than desktop machines are i have this theory that apple's at their best when their backs against the wall you know and um mm-hmm. the uh when you look at the ipad sales they haven't been as good as they wanted them to be and it feels to me like about halfway through development of ios 9 someone at apple said you know just copying the iphone and making it bigger isn't good enough anymore now we need to put some real productivity muscle into this bigger device and it feels to me like they got it like started with iOS nine, but they didn't nearly get as far as they wanted. And I really have high hopes that iOS 10 is going to take the ball and run with iPad productivity. It just feels to me like this is the year that's going to happen. The introduction of both of the iPad pros uh, makes me confident that iOS is going to continue to get stronger and stronger features. Uh, they didn't need to introduce these devices, in my opinion, if they didn't really believe in iOS as a place for people to get work done, especially the 12.9. Um, yeah. it, you know, it, it, earlier, Katie, you were mentioning about how the 9.7 is, is good for most people. I actually believe the 9.7 is the best choice for most people. Mm-hmm. I really think that you only should should consider the 12.9-inch iPad if you believe you're going to be moving a lot of your work away from a laptop to that device. It's way too big for just general iPad usage stuff. Um, so I think that, you know... Now that you can use the smart keyboard and the the pencil, I think for most people that the 9.7 inch iPad Pro is the right choice, uh, unless they're really thinking about making the bigger switches that that me and David have made. Final question: As we record this, we just got the bad news or sad news that the Prince passed away. What's your favorite Prince song? I think it's gonna be Purple Rain. Yeah, it's the go-to. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it's you know how how can you argue against that song? And my wife and I were talking. That was the first concert she ever went to. Was the Purple Rain tour? Anyway, Mike Hurley, thank you for coming on this show. I think that you served as a buffer for me because if I had explained (laughs) to Katie that I bought two iPads without you here, 
she would have really got, you know, the, you know, the lashing out on me. I had but, to be yeah, I'm under no illusion. Company. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I'm under no illusion today, David, that I am on this show because you just wanted to, to tell that story and you were scared. Yeah. So I, I'm, uh, I'm more than happy to be your full guy anytime. I, I'm honest. Fear was a part of it. That's, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> And, uh, you know, congratulations. When you first came on here, you had just stuck it to the man. You didn't even know what was going to happen. And and you've got this hugely successful network and all this great stuff going on. I am so, um, as a friend, I'm just so thrilled to watch your success and, and see the way that your tech world is evolving. Thank you. Uh, you know, we have... With a lot of hard work and a bit of luck, we've we've really turned Relay FM into a thing that we're very proud of, and, and we're doing a lot of really exciting things. And you know, we mentioned this before, but the the day that we spoke to you guys, um, and and you decided that Relay FM was a good place for you, uh, that was a that was a really great day. So thank you. The feeling is mutual. All right. Well, we do want to say thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Fracture, Automatic, Clean My Mac, and Drobo. Uh, and thanks to all of you who have become members of the great Relay FM network. Uh, your kind support has allowed David and I and Mike to uh, produce all of the great shows uh, on this network. Uh, if you have feedback for us, you can send us an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or send us a tweet using the hashtag AskMPU. Uh, and that'll get slotted in for our uh, live feedback show as well. All right. We'll see you all next week. 